Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 167. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. And I'm Brent Wingate. And this week, uh, I'm back at the helm. Uh, it's been a few weeks off for me, and I'm probably mm-hmm. because I had a holiday party today, and they gave me a bunch of whiskey, and then demanded I get back to work right after. Uh, but actually, first up this week, we're going to start with two new storylines, the uh, long-awaited King in Black, and the continuation of the ongoing X-Men comics, Reign of X. Um, and then there's going to be some interesting additions to casting in the Marvel movie universe. Blah, blah, blah. I'm definitely tipsy. Clark's got something. That's going to be our issue. All right, let's go to Kalen. Kalen, we got some comic stuff. Uh, that must be some really good or really bad whiskey. Um, so first comic uh, thing that's up is, as we discovered at the end of Ten of Swords, uh, Cyclops uh, and Marvel Girl uh, basically went off to create the X-Men, which haven't existed as a team during the whole like Jonathan Hickman tenure. Uh, it made a lot of sense why they weren't as a team. Krakoa was a nation. They had the Quiet Council. They had sub-teams like X-Force and Marauders kind of going off and doing their own thing. The X-Men didn't really need to exist, but we saw now that they really do. So what I would love to talk to all of you about is what would be your ideal X-Men team and what do you think their role should be vis-a-vis Krakoa? Ryan? I'll start. Um, so we obviously know that Cyclops and Marvel Girl, which should be renamed Marvel Woman, will be on the team. That's pretty obvious. They they pretty much said they're going to leave the council and going to be on it. Um, with that said, I think uh, the way Hickman writes and just the overall landscape of the X-Men right now, that each act, each like specific X-Men character on the team would represent something kind of different. So maybe, and this is just me being hopeful because I love the different generations of X-Men throughout the years. So I would love if uh, one representative through all the X-Men generations was there and they made up the entire X-Men team. So we have Cyclops and Marvel Girl as the base for everything, but then you have a classic uh, a classic X-Men character, which, I mean, I, I would, Iceman seems preoccupied. B seems preoccupied. I know Angel will probably be an X-Corp, but I would love to see him. I, uh, an all new, all different representative. So I'd love to see Sunfire. Then like a new X-Men representative. So I'd love to see Anal. I'd love to see Anal all the time. Um, <laughs> then we have a new Mutants representative. So I'd love to see Danny Moonstar step up as a character. And then Generation X, um, I don't know uh, who's in Generation X, Mondo. Let's see him in there. Who cares? But like, um, but I, I want to see every generation represented through that. And then maybe even a younger X1, uh, X-Men that we don't know yet. That's maybe like the X-Men in training. So that, you know, that fucking like green kid from whatever, like one of the first issues of House of, House of X and Pox. Right? Like Fauna or Flora, one of those two? Yeah, one, one of them. Who cares? But like just a new character as well. I'd like to see it represent the entirety of what the X-Men as a team, air quotes, represents. What do you all think? Well, before we go into that, um, what do you think their role should be vis-a-vis Krakoa? 
They, I mean, they are the superheroes. So, like, the Krakoa as a whole isn't allowed to be the superheroes that they want to because they're literally just a nation. So these are literally just going back to almost like the Joss Whedon when he's like, we need to remember to be heroes or like whatever heavy-handed thing he did in the first issue of Astonishing X-Men. Like, I feel like that's what the role is for the X-Men right now is to be mutant heroes in the greater Marvel universe. Brent? I kind of, uh, I don't really have a team, but thinking about their role, because the Quiet Council has made it pretty clear that they want their decisions to be Krakoa-based, and they really need for their organization to have some kind of respect and legitimacy. And the kind of fight that happened with the Cyclops at the end of Ten of Swords about you know what his decisions were going to be, and <clears throat> there's that little memo they had about how they don't want to use the term X Men anymore. They'll allow it as like they're not going to fight it, but that's only because it's common parlance to describe mutants. I think that maybe the you know they've already got a paramilitary type you know CIA type force with the X Force. I think that maybe it might be good to have some apparatus in the X-Men that's kind of like Beijing to uh, uh, China. That it's like, yeah, you're a part of it, but you're separate from us. That really the X-Men are these superhero unit, but they aren't Krakoan specifically. So that Krakoa could maintain some notion of diplomacy and its planning, but still have this superhero team go out and save the world in the classic way that we know heroes to do so what i, I like that exactly uh clark but i said it better and you did. You got really did, the economist yeah. once i mean that's what, <laughs> that's what i thought would be the case but the fact that marvel girl and cyclops are leading it makes it seem like that's not the case since you know they have their whole blue blue um whatever fucking hole in the moon shit with you know with the connection to Kreko itself so i don't really know what kind of base they would end up having right what connective tissue they'd have um in terms of would they would they be seen as kind of this force for some government for some world government and everyone's like fuck you get out of here i'm not sure i guess that'll definitely be part of the plot line but i don't know if that's gonna be the, the main thread um in terms of characters, I don't know. I don't know where I, why Ryan didn't say Dazzler, but I think Dazzler would fit in nicely here. In the 70s, sort of like... Uh, we've we've, we've Outback age, yeah. yeah. We, I mean, so many characters are being used in other places that are the bigger characters. And Nightcrawler would work, but he's, he's the only one that's, you know, still sitting yeah. there on that throne. I don't know. And there's no character who's too deep for them not to pull out like they've pulled out weirder characters already so far why not dazzler yeah why the hell not she's so random i mean she's less important than peepers right mm. <laughs> at this point who knows honestly <laughs> i don't like to say it okay so caitlin what do you think your team would be so i definitely dazzler is definitely on my short list but i would like to also see uh laura as wolverine on the team like I think the team needs a Wolverine type but I'm so just kind of over Logan and Logan is already overexposed with his own book as well as X-Force and he's going to probably pop up in a bunch of other uh, places as well uh, 
I would like to see Colossus on there because I don't think he makes sense on X-Force. I think he would make much more sense in like a more traditional superhero, like X-Men type type book. Um, I'd love to maybe see at some point like Havoc, like quote unquote graduate from Hellions uh, and like kind of rejoin um, Scott and Jean. Um, and then, you know, maybe Vulcan would be on there as well. Uh, just like have the entire like sort of Summers family there at some point. Uh, and I know we'll get into S.W.O.R.D. a little bit later, but, you know, maybe having Cable in there uh, as like sort of a next generation type type character. Ryan? It, I was wondering. It, no, it could easily be a family affair. Like I, Marvel Girl and Cyclops being there and then just have a Wolverine, Emma Frost and who else, whoever else they're fucking at the time, like, uh, like have all of them and all the family members. I, I think that's kind of cool, actually. I mean, when we, yeah. when, when we read, um, King and Black last week, I just kind of assumed that was the team that was, you know, going to be in existence. It was Marvel Girl and Cyclops and Cable and Storm, Nightcrawler, Wolverine. Is that right? I don't remember. Yeah. But anyways, I was yeah. like, is this, remember when we saw really old Cable and we're like, what this, this, this is some continuity issue right here, but I don't know. It just matched up so well that I was like, oh, okay, that could easily just be the team. I do also like the idea of um, them developing their own kind of power base that is separate from Krakoa um, and end up becoming kind of like creating like not necessarily immediate conflict, but like friction when they're doing stuff that is not... Uh, condoned by Krakoa or um, or council. sanctioned by Krakoa, the Quiet Council. Um, and they're all just kind of like, we're here trying to, you know, uphold Xavier's dream from like what he originally envisioned. So um, I, I, I do think there's going to be some really interesting kind of uh, moves here. And I would love to see how like Moira kind of like thinks about it because she's like, no, like them reforming the X-Men is going to lead us to the other you know futures that i saw in my first nine lives um so i'd love like that kind of friction to exist as well i don't know like i i uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what the team would be like uh clearly we have all our favorites i haven't put it up in the house of x facebook group and everybody kind of had their own ideas there's a lot of like overlap uh but ryan i like the idea of like different generations all being represented um, you know, from the 60s to, to now. Cool. All right, let's move on to some comics. So first up, Ryan, we've got... Uh, in a little segment we call Reign of X. I'll work on my singing. I promise. I promise. Uh, I'm done. I don't know how You don't need to re work on it at all. I think you've got it. Thank you. Uh, I do have Lady it. Gaga. Thank you. Lady Gaga would be, pro uh, would be proud. So first up, we've got the first issue of Sword, uh, written by Al Ewing and the artist Valer Valerio Shiti, who they were the creative team behind the Empire miniseries that we reviewed on podcast. So really quick recap. First of all, welcome to the Mutant Space Program. You know, we have Magneto serving as our POV character as he tours the peak, and we get introduced to the six. The team that runs S.W.O.R.D. The whole shebang, of course, is run by Agent Brand. And her lieutenants are WizKid on tech and engineering, Manifold on logistics and teleportation, Fabian Cortez on energy resources, Frenzy on diplomacy, Cable on security, and Redacted on observation and analysis. 
The teleportation team, along with peepers from observation, head into the white hot room to grab an unnamed MacGuffin that's so amazing, even Magneto seems impressed. What do we all think? Brent? Might have been one of my least favorite. It's it's one of the weirdest contrasts of, of art because I love all of the art except for Magneto's face. Yes, yes. Oh, God, face horrifying. Was bad. He That's looks like old boy. Conan O'Brien. Like yeah. it's really creepy. He oh, looks yeah, it was a bad weird. Face. His his eyes change shape all the time. He he is a man of a certain age. I mean, he was in World War II. I didn't like, realize I, he was a shapeshifter as well. No, but they didn't. They they de-aged him. Well, he became a baby, and then they re-aged him, and then they de-aged him again. So he, they did, but he should go back to the de-aged doctor, doctor, because it's it's not holding up. Ah, yes, that's don't the one show, that, that, don't that's show pictures of it. The, it looks like. Page? Yeah, this is on page. If the app worked, it's on page eighteen. It, it is the worst. It looks like it's, it's like Mickey Rooney. Like why? <laughs> Why was he cast this way? Uh, otherwise, I am a huge stand now of Abigail Brand. She's mm-hmm. all about communication and logistics and getting shit done right. So she would be a perfect kind of contrast um, she, uh, to all the stuff that's going on in Krakoa. She could exist, uh, Kaylin, as you were kind of talking, about how like there is now, as Krakoa expands and is more successful, that there are different people with different visions that could try and implement that vision in ways that were completely unexpected. Plus, I'll just add this, the multiplication of, of superpowers and trying to utilize them together is just my absolute favorite thing. And I actually like it retroactively because it reframes one of my least favorite things about the X-Men namely the fastball special as being a magnification of mutant powers, even when it's something that's fundamentally stupid. Kaylin? Mm-hmm. What's so funny is before you finished your thought, I was gonna say, let me guess, your favorite part of this was the amplification of powers. So yes. um, uh, we're completely simpatico there. Uh, and how dare you hate the fastball special? How dare you? It is iconic. And it's fantastic, even without this retroactive explanation. But um, this is the book I never realized oh, I wanted like so badly. Content. This this book, uh, I didn't realize how badly I wanted it until I read it. And I was like, every page made me so happy. Even the stupid fucking MacGuffin that they refused to explain. And even the stupid last page when everybody just looks right at the camera. Like, that's one of my least favorite, like, tropes in comics when it's like clearly they're having a conversation about something and then everybody just turns to look at the camera and then they break the fourth wall and it just, I hate it. But and they pose, the issue itself, and they pose. They're posing. And the, yeah. the issue is just so goddamn good. Ryan? I love this. So the X-Men are inherently sci-fi a lot of times. And a lot of times they do not get the vibe right. I think they totally got the vibe right of like, how to be the X-Men, and how to get the sci-fi vibe right. It was super fun. I really enjoyed it. It was a fast issue because you're introducing so many fucking characters at once. So uh, I will excuse some characters not getting character moments and dialogue 
for this issue because it's strictly just intro. I, I want to applaud Magneto being the, the basically the point of view character because uh, he has so many different connections to all the people that are involved on the sword base. Maybe not so much Abigail Brand, but like everyone else, like he's very ingrained in. Um, the, the fact that uh, Fabian Cortez is like on there, he's an asshole, everyone hates him, they want to replace him immediately. That's very relatable to any workplace. So I appreciate that. And the fact that his connection to like Magneto, it's super fun. Um, Amelia Vote is on there as well. She used to be an old acolyte. Uh, we have a bunch of former acolytes that are interacting with Magneto, which I really like. It's really calling to the X-Men's past really well. Um, I like that. Ryan, can I hop on that? Cause I'm doing exact, talking about the exact same thing, but it's the opposite oh, way. I thought it was awful. Okay. Um, in the, in that, in terms of, I, I don't think Magneto has written well in terms of his, his interactions. The Fabian Cortez interaction was the exact opposite of what their characterization would be. It was very bizarre. Like, his, his Fabian what, Cortez is like. What do you think a, it would be? Obviously, he screwed him over a bunch of times, but Krakoa makes everyone go, uh oh, that never happened a little it, bit. But, it, but the way Magneto is like, I don't even know who, he, like, it was, it was just bizarrely. I don't. It was very strange and uncomfortable. It didn't feel like any either one of them were in a functional situation right there, and like his weird hang, ha, like sad look when he was talking to Peepers and not him. It just I, I don't know. It just didn't feel. That's right. just his saggy it, face, anyway. though. That's just his saggy, saggy face, though. Yeah, especially so. since he's literally like was what the last time he was alive, he was actively trying to murder him and had a whole different crew trying to destroy his entire life. It just seemed like, I don't know. Their, their opening interaction felt very, I, I, I don't know. It, I, I don't know how to explain it. Just I just d didn't like it at all. I didn't like I, the people's I interaction. It, it all felt very weird. I took it more as like, that's how you would function in the current Krakoan climate because you don't know how to, old enemies are now your like colleagues. So I, I, I don't know. I didn't take it as like offensive. So, Kayla, I didn't think it was offensive. Her. I just thought it, I don't know. It was just bizarre. Especially since they're like, why, why? We're trying to find somebody else. Hey, what is his position again? Energy what? I forgot. Yeah, what he's energy he? and it's he's he's like the energy source, Fabian is. It, that is the best role for him. I mean, his entire mutant power is to elevate other mutant power. So I don't see why they have to replace him. It, like, I don't know why I'm supporting Fabian Cortez right now, but you seem like it a just, big fan. It's the, it's the ponytail. Yeah, yeah. It just the whole thing seemed very bizarre and it didn't seem like the I don't know, the the conversation didn't work at all and how they were dealing with him didn't work at all to me. Kaylin. Yeah, I I, I kind of agree with Clark a little bit here. Uh one, I completely forgot about peepers in general. Like I haven't thought about peepers in like at least fifteen to maybe twenty years. I had to look him up again. I was like, oh, do that's you, that character. Do you know so how he do, died? Yeah, he literally cut. got eaten by Predator X. Continue. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> but, then he, totally. but then he got better for some apparent reason, and now he's better again. Yeah. Well, I mean, at this point, we know that everyone's back because of the resurrection protocol. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so the Peeper stuff didn't really bother me so much because I just didn't really remember the characterization. The Fabian stuff bothered me mostly because Magneto was like, I don't even remember this guy. I mean, it, it just seemed odd when like the Acolytes were such a big part of like, like Magneto's backstory 
from the early 90s, you know, actually throughout the entire 90s, you know, they were his team and then they kind of went off on their own. So you would think that there'd be much more of a uh, one one recognition, maybe a bit of like hostility to a certain degree, specifically with Fabian. But I'd like to have seen even more with like like Amelia, even though she wasn't really in the book very much. And maybe even more with Frenzy. Um, I think, um, you know, like I'm sure we'll see more of Frenzy later on. I, I love that character. I but did like, like her worship I, line. I like that yeah. dialogue though. Like just being like, I yeah. used to worship him and now I don't yeah, feel yeah. anything. That was, that, that, was, that, was, that, was that was perfect. That was, that was perfect. But the Fabian stuff was a little bit off. Brent? Okay. I don't know if it's, I don't know like at this point what continuity means, but you know, we are not in that version of the story, right? Like the stuff that happened in the 90s wasn't what happened with Magneto. And maybe he had some interaction with Cortez in what? this timeline, right? But we've changed things, haven't we? No, no, no. no. This isn't DC Comics. Like timelines haven't changed. All this is- uh, yeah, this do, is all do, you mean, do you mean like he saw him at Whole Foods and like maybe had a nice conversation or something at some point? No, well, like different <laughs> stuff. At Moira. No, all the all the Marvel oh, has no. done since the '40s is Moira's what ninth life, tenth life, tenth life, tenth life. Yes. So we've ever since our our real world 1940s has been Moira's tenth life. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, all of all God, of if they, everything if that they happened, removed everything that happened, I would have been fucking pissed off. I would not have wanted to read anything else ever again. Isn't it nice to see all those teleporters or like whatever they do, most of them being teleporters, like working together? I kind of like that, all that like weird synergy. Yeah, yeah no. And, I think and they was... went into the white hot room, which I'm like, yes. oh, we could we can just walk in there, grab grab a house lamp and then walk out. I love that. <laughs> well, it's not just wa walking in. It's like six teleporters with Fabian Cortez backing them and peepers seeing through time basically uh to get whatever that black diamond mcguffin is i'll say Jeepers, one more thing we'll, i'll say one i'll say one more thing and then we'll move on uh what i loved also about the book was the quote from dr doom at the very end mm -hmm. uh where he's like <laughs> yeah. you can steal fire from the heavens that's great except do it like i do like wear gloves i'm like that's really kind of fucking cool one quick shout out, Armor did a big thumbs up with her shield thumbs up, and I really like that. Anyway, can, let's move on. So good. All right, so next, uh, the next in Reign of X is Marauders number 16, and I, I know a lot of people were really uh, looking forward to this. Uh, Kate Pride and Emma Frost plan and execute their revenge on Sebastian Shaw, which consists of ruining his rare whiskey and plucking his eye out. Oh, and Storm helps too. Glob Herman makes an appearance, uh, so we know this is Brent's favorite comic of the week. Uh, the Quiet Council meets to discuss the new members since Jean Grey and Apocalypse have dropped out. CX of or C10 of Swords, true believers. But before they can do that, Magneto wants to know what happened to Shaw. Kate says, nah, but we should put it up to a vote. And the vote is deadlocked. What do we think? Is, Brian. Uh, oh, sorry. No, you can go, Brian. I was going to ask, is the Quiet Council like uh, the Senate that ties are broken by uh the vice president like does krakoa break a tie when it's a stalemate yeah kamala harris comes happen. in yeah and nightcrawler's like this is how democracy ends every yes. single time <laughs> every time 
<laughs> um, I really like I really like this issue. Um, I, I this is not what I was expecting to come about Sebastian Shaw just in general. Um, I like that uh, the worst thing that you could do for him was like just break his good liquors. Like that hurt more than him actually getting his eye completely snatched out. I enjoyed that. Um, I, I also enjoyed that Bishop and Storm because they are smart people knew what was going on and pyro and Iceman still don't have any clue because they're not smart at all so i i enjoyed them being a little bit detective-y and like intervening just a little bit um it, it was slow paced but i i'm okay with this issue i enjoyed it caitlin uh i i liked it too but it wasn't what i was expecting either my favorite part was the intra hellfire politics versus the council politics with Emma basically saying we can discuss this between the three of us mm-hmm. or we can take it to the whole council and yeah. we can you can go where Sabretooth is in this void of nothing you, your choice yeah Brent you'll be you'll be a pillow no I think I think that's the right way to deal with this um, because you could either have a long story where they kind of try and work out like how to trick Sebastian Shaw. And the more time you add, the more likelihood it is that it just is disappointing and fails. I really appreciate how blunt force this is because it takes the opposite approach, which leverages circumstances against characters. And it really makes you feel like different positions of power have changed rather than something clever the writers did. Even if it was slow and not much happened and the dialogue I thought was okay, um, I thought it was still very enjoyable to see that they weren't going to waste time adding a lot of fat to this particular storyline. We all know what's going on. We're not surprised. There's no new revelations. Give us this and then move it in a new direction. Ryan? Quick little thing that I, uh, the fact that Emma Frost uh, was looking over Sebastian's body as he was potentially dying and saying like, you will be resurrected after Cordelia, my sister that everyone hates and no one was <laughs> resurrected because she was in Generation X for so long. No one even speaks about her or gives a fuck about her. And I love that, like, just a reference to that. They're like, she's in the protocols, but not a priority. I love that call, that easy little callback. It was fun. Yeah, that was great. I I don't know if I'm disappointed or if just like part, a lot of what this comic was about for me was I loved, I wanted to see all the machinations between the three houses or, you know, red white and black and I, I just feel like this might i don't know we'll see whether it killed it or not but it just seems like it yeah. kind of smacked it down and i don't know if i'm really interested i'm not really interested in the pirate aspect of this book i was interested in the hellfire aspect of the book i i completely agree and i think that's the one of the reasons why the pirate stuff has been almost like it's a secondary story like this comic really is it's kate and emma and to a certain degree, Sebastian Shaw. I mean, like you see Bishop a little bit, you see Iceman even less. Storm is basically not in this book. I mean, she was in this issue, but she isn't in it very much. You know, and you do a little stuff with Pyro every now and then, but like, it's really Kate and Emma. Yeah. Which I'm fine with, I I love it. Pyro's storyline is like uh, a hangover uh, storyline where like, I got a face tattoo. 
that's all he's done. Like, yeah. it's terrible, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. All right. So uh, moving on to our next segment in comics, Ryan. I'm going to let you sing this one. Okay. Uh, Kink in Black. Okay, I'll, I'll fucking workshop that oh one, too. Oh, my God. That was good. Was it? Okay. All right. <laughs> Just call me Kinky Boots. Uh, all right, so uh, we have two issues. One was Venom number 31. The second one was Guardians of the Galaxy number nine, which is just very tangentially related to King and Black. But Venom number 31, so at the end of King and Black number one, we saw Null steal Eddie's symbiote and push him off a very tall building. And so this issue is consists mostly of Eddie just falling for about 20 pages. Meanwhile, Dylan, who's been placed in that panic room, is trying to figure out what's going on. He sees what we all saw at the end of King of Black number one. Glad you caught up, Dylan. Ryan? Um, I love Donny Cates. Uh, I would die for him. Um, I love his writing. I would open mouth kiss him if I saw him in person. This He's cute. Issue, this issue sucks, though. It's not good. How are you falling the entire issue and then literally a kid is talking at the same time? So that's not concurrent. That makes no sense. You're having a whole dialogue with Iron Man, Dylan, the kid. And while I'm just falling, this doesn't make sense. And also nothing happens, okay? This is an abomination. Donny Cates, I love you to death. What the fuck is this? I know this is just, this is just like a little bit of oh, I'm writing the main title, so I'm not going to invest that much in the main like issue of Venom. And uh, it, it hurt me a little bit because I like his writing so much. Someone else talk. My issue was, how is he falling? And then suddenly he's like, oh, look, a helicopter is about to crash. Let me try to yeah. save it, even though I'm falling backwards. Ouch. Oh, no, it exploded. Let me keep going. How did that happen? And like, 14 seconds. It was and so the much. helicopter is there so it can be news reporting. So Dylan in the bunker can see the news story at a great angle, I might add. It's so fun and not the right angle that it was shot at. So it doesn't make any sense. Okay. That made me laugh. It was very confused. Sorry. I'm sorry. I really like him and I like this crossover already, but this was garbage. <laughs> but, but maybe, maybe Dylan, maybe Dylan was watching that newscast. Mm-hmm helicopter and he's like i'm not interested in what's going on and that summoned a dragon to destroy the helicopter it's like well, what, what else is on <laughs> same kaylin say something positive go uh, i mean the art was nice uh i'll say that <laughs> um i mean it wasn't uh ryan segment who's doing the the main book but the um uh i think i you know i think uh the rest of it was um was it looked okay, but I completely agree with you, Ryan. It just was like, how could he be falling for that long? Nothing really happened. It just was like, and, and this is like the first issue of Venom that's actively disappointed me. So after 30 issues, you know, having one that's disappointing, not a bad I record. Totally agree. It's Brent? the same thing of like, like speed stories or that Quicksilver story that we read. Like that there's, there's something where you have to be really really intelligent and meditative when you slow everything down because you remove all action. And for this, you know, for him right. to move like three meters down a building and to have all this shit go on that doesn't matter feels like a waste of time. It's, what it's, Quicksilver? I mean, the Quicksilver. What's that? Which story? That was the one where he just couldn't stop running. 
Oh fuck and, yes, and we yeah. gave up after two issues instead of the five issue miniseries. Right. Yes, that was exhausting. It just like it's got an inverse relationship with how thoughtful it has to be with how slow it goes. Kalen, I was gonna make a joke about for a book about somebody who runs really fast. It was a really fucking slow read. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was. True. Uh, anything else on Venom before we move on? No. All right. So Guardians of the Galaxy number nine and probably the trippiest yet most gorgeous issues of Guardians ever. We see Peter Quill in uh, Morinus where he spends decades, centuries even, swashbuckling and then turning into an oddly sexy polyamorous relationship with some sexy blue people. After hundreds mm-hmm. of years, he returns to the 616 just in time for the King and Black crossover. What did everybody think? Sure. I mean, it's kind of trippy in a uh, uh, Silver Surfer Black kind of way. Um, yeah. I really thought it's weird. It, it forces you to accept a lot, but um, it didn't feel stupid. It, it, you know, stories about someone being trapped in a long period of time have been told. This one to me felt like, ah, good, rush it along. I've got all the big highlights. There's some galactic war they're fighting, and then he gets thrown back after 143 years. Great. So fine. Go through these random houses. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't care about those houses. Me either. Um, it, it was a fine issue, though. It's still um, reiterating what we said about Guardians of the Galaxy when this series started. It feels like the old Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's not. MCU version, Bendis's version of Guardians of the Galaxy. So even though this elemental stuff, like the elemental gun and stuff like that, is in Star Lord's past, it feels like that before. And I really, I really enjoy them taking that path again because they're realizing they don't have to go that close to the movie standards of stuff. And even remaking his like father and stuff like that, I really, I enjoy that, uh, like paying tribute to what what came before without relying on that. Kalen? Um, I really like this issue a lot, even though not a lot happened. Um, Guardians and all this, like the cosmic books are best when they embrace the trippiness of the, the, the this Marvel like outer space stuff. Uh, like I want, get weird, get funky. Like, you know, the, the thruple he enters into yeah. Which isn't weird or funky. It's just, um, you know, it's just kind of cool. Like that, it's, yeah. it was totally hot. Um, and then the art, like we've talked about Juan Cabal's art before. Like he did uh, All New Wolverine when we read that years ago. He's been on Guardians and he just like upped it to a next level. And Brent, you comparing it to Silver Surfer Black, um, I think is a really good comparison because that also had this gorgeous trippy art by Trad Moore. Um, and like that's, like he is the perfect artist for this book. Like I don't want to see anyone else really. Ryan? It's it's great art, honestly. It looks so good. Um, did any of you guys do uh as soon as like his male companion, the guy in blue, walked out? I was like, is that Dr. Manhattan? Are we getting the crossover yes, we yes. always wanted? <laughs> like it, I love that Star Lord was naked, but uh the blue guy wasn't. I was like, oh, role reversal. Okay, I'll see it. Into it. They played up the sex appeal so much. They really went for a bisexual love affair. And I love that they're playing that up because they know comic book readers are so fucking queer now that like, I love that they're just leaning into it at this point. For sure. 
how out of spacey do you have to be to like just think that I don't need to wear clothes anymore? Clearly, other people in space are wearing clothes. Yeah. You can't just walk around fucking naked, dude. Everyone else was. Get a space towel. I think you just look too good. Hey, is what they Brent, did it. Brent, tell that to your husband's Instagram. Don't talk to me about my husband. <laughs> Zing. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. So that's the comics we've got. So, Brent, I'll turn it over to you. It's a news flash. All right. So, this week, we've got a bunch of pieces of info related to the casting for this future Sony Spider Man film tentatively titled Spider-Man Home, Home, Home. Apparently, a lot more people have been added, confirmed, or strongly hinted at being part of the cast, including Alfred Molina reprising his role as Doc Ock. Uh, We knew this before, but Jamie Foxx is going to be Electro. Uh, Andrew Garfield from The Amazing Spider-Man and Kirsten Dunst from the uh, Remimi uh, Spider-Man trilogy is also set to make an appearance but I think in perhaps the biggest surprise Charlie Cox who played Daredevil in the Netflix TV show of the same name will appear as that character on the big screen I think that's the second time um, that a transition has been made from a TV show character into the movies but it might be the first time that a main character has done this what do you guys think about all these um, uh, moves? And uh, does the fact that we know all of this uh, uh, compared to the like more lockdown style of Disney tell us anything about how this is going to Ryan. Um, also, Toby Maguire will be back as well that we know. Yeah. But um, I don't think it. I don't think it's taking anything away. I, I'm treating this. A lot of people online are like, "This is too many parts. What? What are we going to do?" Marvel has never done a, a movie with too many actors in it, especially big one. Like, shut up. Everyone should shut up because this is exactly what happened for Civil War. It was too many parts that they crammed in, but they made it work. And I, it's a beloved movie that will get viewers out, whether it's on Disney Plus or in the theaters. Like, it's going to do super well because they are cramming so much into it. So even if Charlie Cox doesn't show up, and like daredevil baton someone in the fucking face. The fact that he's just making an appearance as a lawyer, I think it's going to be huge. And we're going to obviously be jumping through multiverses. I think it's just going to work out. They're going to give them enough spotlight, but it's still going to be Tom Holland's Spider-Man story. So I'm completely okay with this. And I'm super excited. Caitlin. Yeah, I I don't have a problem with uh, a bunch of different actors being in there they can just make little cameos i think charlie cox being in there is just fine i didn't think they would bring him back as matt murdoch or daredevil but sure why not like i think he was perfect in that role my bigger issue is it's a little too arrowverse cw verse maybe even a little flashpoint i know they're Don't bringing I, I, know, I know but you had your <laughs> opinion this is my this is my opinion it's Deep i know up, they're gonna bring in a, they're going to bring back the multi or they're bringing the multiverse. Uh, but them bringing, you know, Alfred Molina, Doc Ock, Andrew Garfield, you know, Kirsten Dunst, all these people, it just feels too meta, just way too meta for me to really kind of be like, okay, I don't know. I know they did it in, into the spider verse, but that I thought was the perfect way to really construct a multiverse. I thought that was so, so well done. 
And this makes me a little worried. So much so that when we started hearing these rumors a few months ago, I was like, this is some like screen rant, like comicbook.com bullshit. Like someone made this up on some Reddit channel and then like some like quasi news source is, is reporting on it. But the more it becomes reality, the more concerned I get. Brent? I want to dovetail on that. Um, bear with me, because I think Joseph Goebbels had something about this that really rang true with me about like, the bigger the lie you tell, the harder it is for people to believe it's not true. Because why would you tell a lie that's so big? Am I freezing up? Okay. Uh, you are. It was because you're yes. talking about a Nazi. The, uh, yeah, Zoom that's exactly theory. right. No, no, our our time doesn't care about Nazis anymore. Um, so, like, the bigger the lie you tell, the the more people believe. Like, there's no way that that could be a lie because that's way too ridiculous for it to be untrue. Like, someone wouldn't say that if it was so obviously untrue. And there's a part of me that wants to believe that the production of this movie is like. Yeah, we're pulling in all these people from different areas that you're like, oh yeah, it was the second sound guy. He is gonna be the third extra for Kirsten Dunst. You know, like everyone's coming from everywhere. And I kind of want to believe that they really have an amazing vision for how this could work and how it could be different from the style of the MCU, like building up each individual movie and throwing in a multiverse together. I, I want it to work really, really bad, uh, even though I know in all likelihood it will not. You Sorry, like Brent is trans- right Yeah, it, robot is he's transforming into a car as we speak. Um, well, this is the first time that Goebbels has ever been brought up on this podcast. I applaud you there, Brent. Um, yeah, one of the other things that I kind of thought of is like, you remember Tom Holland was known for just like blurting out spoilers because he couldn't help himself because he's kind mm-hmm. of a he's a yeah. cute little dumbass. I'm just yeah. wondering if like they're just flooding like the the airwaves, like the internets with all this news. So one time if any anytime Tom Holland says something, everyone's just gonna be like, they can't like, you know, uh, figure out the signal from the noise. So that might be like, you know. Um, I think they're trying to do Ryan. What, one quick note before we move on. Um, I follow Tom Holland pretty extensively, and he did an interview recently that was basically like someone was like, "What if you crossed over with all the other Spider-Man and also Venom?" And he said, "Nothing for the first time ever in his goddamn life." And he said, "For legal issues, I'm not allowed to talk about any of that." And that's well, the first time he ever got it right. And so that means to me. All that shit is definitely happening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that right? Would be the, like, if, if people ever get, like, you know, that kind of Woody from Toy Story, draw a string, you pull it, and it's got, like, a select set of voicings. My lawyers have told me I'm not allowed to say anything about that. Just pull. I don't know anything about what's happening in this film. Pull. The studio executives have told me not to talk about this. Yeah. Uh, let, let, let's move into other MCU news that's the same exact thing. Of course. Unsurprisingly, uh, Rachel McAdams will be returning uh, to the 
sequel in the Doctor Strange. Hooray! Because um, uh-huh. she couldn't help herself. She said, I was a mediocre role and like a surgeon or whatever the fuck I did in that film and I'm back. She was like, I gotta play that role again. She said, if Natalie Portman is getting an additional role, why not me? Okay, well, like, I will only like Rachel McAdams in this if she comes up in a car and says to Doctor Strange, get in loser we're going into the multiverse that's the only acceptable <laughs> but way I, but Kaylin, what if instead she just drives off a cliff and kills him? <laughs> sure fine yeah. fine that can be like the uh post uh, post credit sequence i would be very so, happy with that i didn't know this but in the comics she takes up the role the superhero role of night nurse um not really it's just a nurse it's just a nurse she's not a superhero the way every article wrote about it was like she became the night nurse. Do you mean like a nurse who works at night or yeah, very specific Four superheroes? It, it, yeah. It, yeah, it's the it's just the PM shift. If we could stop making this a superhero, I'd be great. It, yeah, and she's it. one of like three night nurses too. It's not like there's <laughs> one. But Who's really, awesome yeah. is this one. Yeah, <laughs> they're all they're all the real heroes. Anyways, Kaylin. Um, yeah, she's the character that was, I believe, in one of my favorite Doctor Strange storylines, The Oath, Uh-oh. with Brian, yeah. Brian, yeah, by Brian K. Vaughn and Marcus, which is a really, really great storyline, um, if you haven't read it already. Uh, but yeah, like, as Clark said, there's been like three night nurses. Rosario Dawson at one point in the MCU was supposed to be night nurse, but they kind of retconned that because uh, it didn't really quite work. But um, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, okay. Okay. So this is not on the agenda, but we are getting some very much breaking news from the MCU that is coming. <laughs> Actual breaking if, news. If you want some breaking news, I'm ready to give it to you right now. Um, break us. Break it. Break it off. Okay. First and foremost, they said they're, they're we're going to get ten Marvel projects in the next upcoming years. They didn't say how many years because they don't want to because of COVID. But, okay, so here are a few, just a few of the things we're going to get. Something we know is She-Hulk, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, obviously Miss Marvel. We know all of those. Something, okay, the new ones are, so there was rumors that Nick Fury is going to get his own Disney Plus series. Mm -hmm. It, It has been named as Secret Invasion. Dun, dun, dun. Where is Adam? Where is Adam to enjoy this? I, I know God, it's the only ex- coming... It's the only Marvel crossover he knows. If I can guess, yeah. he's eating pepperoni and cheddar and smoking a hookah. <laughs> a thousand. Um, also in news, uh, Da, uh, what is it? Don Cheadle will be rep- reprising his war, uh, war Machine role, and will be in a, another Disney Plus series called Armor Wars. That's oh, big. Okay. That's really cool. Um, there's another Disney Plus series coming out called Ironheart, which oh uh, yay, which would yay. be someone taking over the Iron Man mantle after Tony. Uh, there's news of why is it going to be a mantle? Sorry, my apologies. Honestly, uh, Captain Marvel two was announced. That's the only news they said. Um, and then uh, they also said uh, Ant Man and Wasp. The next movie will be called Quantumania. What the fuck does that mean? Look at this. Quantum- oh, I heard Quantumania. Uh, Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer is supposed to come back for that. She is. 
And in the last news that we know from this just recent development is they will officially be making a Fantastic Four movie mm, by the director okay. of Spider-Man 3. So this all literally just came out minutes ago. No, I'm okay, so for you guys, three days ago. <laughs> uh, hey, we released them the day after we record. Uh, oh, also, first... also one other thing, um, Guardians of the Galaxy has been delayed. The actual movie has been delayed, but uh, they will be coming out with a holiday special, which will come out next, I'm guessing, next oh, year. Oh, my God, a Star Wars Christmas special with Guardians totally. of the Galaxy. Can we have the ghost of B. Arthur, please? Yes. But, oh, it's, uh, di- uh, it's 2022, but James Gunn is producing it, so it might be live action. So nice. that would be pretty fun. All right. Sounds so fun. I, oh, that I is a shit ton of news. They have to sing, and they have to bring out other singers to sing along with them, but yeah. much better. I love it. The fact that they're so excited to develop additional TV shows when none of theirs have been currently released or received reviews shows that they've got a lot of confidence in that as a market for production. Um, and so I'm very much excited about what even WandaVision looks like. Kaylin. I'm really excited uh, for the news that Ryan just gave us that they're actually going to do not just like sort of characters, but actual storylines in the span of like seven to 10 episodes, however long these seasons are like, that makes a lot of sense to me rather than, you know, uh, while Civil War, the movie was great. Imagine if it had been a miniseries, you know, doing Secret Invasion as a miniseries is great. Armor Wars as a miniseries is great. Uh, I think that's just absolutely, absolutely smart. smart. Um, additionally, I, I do just want to add, they came out with trailers for WandaVision, Loki, and Winter Soldier. And the Falcon, sorry. Falcon and the <laughs> just Winter Soldier. Falcon's been eliminated Falcon. from the series, so forget about him. No, um, That's terrible and racist. No, I know. I apologize. So we'll all be watching those, and we'll probably be reviewing those in the upcoming weeks. But this is exciting news. This is crazy. Very exciting. This is a, yeah, this is a shit ton of content. Is this our actual first time we've had real breaking news in the middle of a podcast? No, we had once for, <laughs> when we announced X Men Red, like back in 2017. Oh, yeah. Jean Grey. Oh, that's right. Mar- Marvel Woman, live on. Yeah uh clark do you have any thoughts or should we just move on with the news no let's i mean i'm excited for that um they also are doing a an aliens tv show that's supposed to take place on earth um obviously that's not marvel but that is owned by disney now as well and in february a new aliens comic comes out oh my god can there be like a new like disney princess but that's like the daughter of the alien queen oh i love that actually clearly that'd be um, also, Brie Larson will be co-starring with the actress that is Miss Marvel in Captain Marvel 2. Sorry. This Yay. is all breaking news. That's great. That's awesome. Hey, Ryan, we got some Star Wars news too, didn't we? Bitch. Oh, God. There's so much. Okay. So, yes. Um, let me just pull up all my all my facts. Disney all did all... so much stuff today. They almost they did. It, it's almost like COVID's not going on. They should just put everyone in that Mandalorian cone and just film in that at all times. You know that weird Into thing it. that they film in? Oh yeah. Uh, it's amazing. It is it truly is amazing. That's what they're so, supposed to be filming. They're uh they're like people were so excited about Kenobi, uh, and then they're like, We're filming it in Boston. It's like, well, yeah, in a studio in Boston with his 
amazing cone. So, um, so just like Marvel, they're going to be coming out with 10 Star Wars series, which is huge. So some that we already know about are Obi-Wan Kenobi and Andor, which is Cassie and Andor from Rogue One. In the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, <laughs> Hayden Christensen of terrible uh, Darth Vader fame will be returning in the role of... No! That was really good. And that wasn't his. That wasn't his fault. That was James Earl Jones's fault. <laughs> what does he look like now? Um, he's still he, hot. He could still uh, get it. No, no, no. Do you remember the end of Return of the Jedi when uh, Vader takes off the helmet? That is actually Hayden Christensen. He looks like the Eggman. Um, no, that that is the original uh, Anakin actor. That's what he looks like now. Yeah. <laughs> that, that poor well, Hayden. Ryan Hayden has turned into him. No more <laughs> words out of your mouth unless they're additional titles. Okay, so next up, we have a new title from Ahsoka. So she'll be getting her own Disney Plus series after spoilers being featured in The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. Is it Ahsoka the later years? Or? It's just called Ahsoka, but it looks like sort of like futuristic and stuff. Okay. Um, uh, next up is Rangers of the New Republic. This is heavy theorized to be uh, what Cara Dune's character will be featured in which is currently in The Mandalorian. She's uh, the theorized lesbian from Mandalorian. She's the stupid monster who supports Trump and believes that COVID is nothing and we should um, find out. She's the sheriff. Correct. I'm in Uh, real life, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She she is problematic and that's probably why they rearranged it to be called Rangers of the New Republic in case they don't want to feature her. Um, next up, uh, there's an animation uh, called The Bad Batch, which is the sequel to Clone Wars, which is really cool. There's a short animation called The Droid Story, which would be more kid-centric. There's also something called The Visions, which is like uh, Star Wars stories throughout different countries. So they're, it's heavily feature, featured in Japanese culture and how they perceive it. Um, there's also another Disney Plus series called The Acolyte, which is theorized to be of the dark side and how those characters came to become something. So little info on that. Um, Lando is also a series that will be coming out on Disney+. Plus. They don't know who will be in the starring role yet, which I just looked up, which is sad, but hopefully Donald Glover would reprise his role as Lando. And then last, lastly, um, the next movie that we're going to get from the Star Wars universe will be uh, uh, will be directed by Patty Jenkins from Wonder Woman, and it will be called Rogue Squadron. This is all breaking news. This is all very exciting. I'm excited. I mean, that's how- Acolyte. Yeah, Acolyte sounds really interesting. I don't. It, it seems like it's going to be a live action thing, and it's like very limited details right now. But it sounds yeah. interesting. The um the the showrunner for Russian Doll is leading it. Yeah. Uh, oh, that is exactly true. Yeah. So uh, what is it? so this would be taking place towards the end of the High Republic. Yeah. Which which will be recently explored in both the novels and also uh, the comic book series that are coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really exciting. The dark side powers and how they develop. Yeah. Uh, Kaylin, any thoughts on those? Uh, no, I'm just very excited for everything. Um, the Ahsoka Tano show, I think, is great because I thought uh, Rosario Dawson did a really nice job as her. 
in the Mandalorian, which we'll get. We'll talk more about that later on. Yes, um, we will certainly have an episode on it. All right. In this last segment, we're just going to finish up with the rest of our news in a speed take round. I'm calling hot takes. A name I just came up with. Okay. All right. So what creator whose face looks like it was drawn by himself? Rob Layfield is set to return to Marvel to write a comic for the 30th anniversary of Deadpool. Uh, he had a really kind of loud exit where he threatened to sue Marvel. What's the purpose of this? Uh, is it just Marvel extending an olive branch? Obviously, no one's going to read it or cares. Kalen? Yeah, just really quickly. I just like... Marvel has made so many good moves lately and they take like two steps forward and one step back. Um, because they feel there's somebody that feels that like he's got a legion of fans and it's ever dwindling and like he can't meet deadlines. He's not very good. He's a piece of shit on, on Twitter. And he's like been shitting all over the X books already and about like the wonderful diversity that they've brought, brought forth. So like fuck him and fuck Marvel for bringing him back. Agreed. Um, also, he's going to be coming out with a podcast that I'm not plugging right now. I, I enforce everyone to not listen to it, but it will be a bunch of parts on how he created Deadpool, which was uh, a snarky white dude uh, with issues. So I don't know how he ever came up with it. Anyway, let's move on. Next breaking. All right. So um, apparently only 30 minutes before the rest of us found out, uh, the film company Legendary learned that Warner Brothers was releasing all of their films on HBO Max and in theaters simultaneously. Um, so they apparently spent 75% of the $165 million budget to produce Dune, which is going to be released in theaters and on HBO Max. And it's also roughly similar to what they paid for uh, for Godzilla and Kong, which they were hoping to sell to Netflix for $250 million. Uh, this is kind of some shady dealings. It's a little bit weird uh, to sue, but also it kind of seems like it makes sense. What do you guys think of this? I mean, if they're losing $250 million out of this deal, it seems like valid to sue. I don't know what well, the contract That was a hopeful is, projection right? what the contract of say? what they could sell it for. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad for what HBO is doing, but uh, I would be pissed if I was on the other side of it. So it makes it makes sense either way, honestly. One is trying to move forward and the other one is not, honestly. I don't know if it's it just like, sense. okay, maybe it's legal to do, but doesn't it seem like major film companies shouldn't work like a bunch of gays planning brunch together and like, like, like going to some other person's brunch instead of the one you were originally texting? Like, you know, come on. You, that, you guys that are- hurts. Brent, that hurts. That hurts a lot. But something you're not something wrong. better came along. Something Sorry, better came I'm along. Busy. I don't know. It just came up. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so um, we've also got uh, <laughs> so a new very quick game. Uh, is Letitia Wright all right? Uh, is, so, she, is she Letitia Wright? Is what you should have been calling it. She's. <laughs> So a week ago, oh sorry, we a week ago we got proof that typecasting isn't real when Letitia Wright, famous for playing Wakanda's top scientist in Black Panther, shared a video on Twitter questioning the efficacy of coronavirus vaccines, questioned climate change, and was dismissive of transgender issues, which she subsequently deleted and basically just covered up with saying, 
I'm just here asking questions and I get, uh, what do you guys think about her canceling it and the whole general affair? It's awful. Why does, why does, why why does everything have to suck? 2020, go fuck yourself, you piece of shit year. Yeah, you, okay, you're supposed to be our next Black Panther, but you don't believe in vaccines. Literally, that is Wakanda's number one thing is like vaccines and technology. Why are you going to say no? You're not ready for this role then. You remember there's Recast. no they, they got rid of cancer in, in Wakanda. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So God. Clark might be happy because uh, apparently Wakanda is still as problematic in the movie version as it is. <laughs> oh, God. Wakanda. What will happen? <laughs> I, I think I said I want Okoye to be um, Black Panther now. Yeah. I'll just make it about just, yeah. I remember thinking like, uh, earlier that day when I heard about this, like, you know, thinking about like kill your heroes and how, you know, if you, you know, mo- like with a lot of men, they'll say problematic things or they've done something horrible and you can go, yeah, fuck that guy. You murdered your wife or you sexually assaulted someone. Why not make your heroes women? Women as heroes won't disappoint you. And then <laughs> this came out and I'm like, why is the universe specifically attacking me? <laughs> I, oh, it just sucks it does I, just, uh, I n- no more comments honestly it was absolutely it completely unnecessary yes Ugh. well okay now we move on to our final segment uh clark's got something watch out and that something is tiredness so we're not doing clark's got something perfect yeah. Instead, we're just moving on and we're just wrapping up the show. Uh, <laughs> so be sure to check Shocking out Shocking twist. Yeah. Uh, Brent's got something. It's an end to this show. Uh, be sure to check out our review of Ten of Swords, the Omega issue, uh, which was released uh, on Wednesday. It's got all the podcasts who participated in our huge crossover covering the Ten of Swords X-Men storyline, including the Wolverine podcast that goes snicked, Comic Book Queers Legacy, X Reads Podcast, and House of X. You can find us uh, with more great content on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram at Homo Superior, Twitter at Homo Superior X. We've been Homo Superior, your only home for breaking news. Bye. Bye.